Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Are we supposed to get married? I'm going to just swipe I just want somebody to share my life. Opposites might attract, but some similarities are really what creates a successful relationship. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've read my advice in the LA Times, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends at OkCupid. I'll tell you why I have recommended OkCupid for my clients since I became a dating coach 15 years ago. It's because they make it easy for you to date based on values that really matter to you through their unique matching questions. So. If climate change, reproductive rights, being a registered voter, any of those things are important to you, on OkCupid, there's a badge for that, which means that you can find someone who truly aligns with your beliefs. Make sure you're using the stacks at the top of the app to find a soulmate who shares your same values. Today, my OkCupid hot tip is to use the stacks at the top of the app to find a soulmate who shares your same values. And speaking of soulmates, today's guest has a slightly controversial take on what it means to find your one true love. According to Dr. Christy Kadarian, former eHarmony matchmaker turned dating coach, who will be joining us in just a minute, your soulmate is out there. But there's a twist. Of course, there's always a twist. You'll have to listen to find out what it is. But first, we got a dish. We will be talking about could love at first sight really be a thing? And is celibacy the way to slow love? Some TikTokers and celebrities say yes. Later, I'll answer questions from you like, can a situationship ever blossom into something more? And is it possible to wait too long before saying I love you? My friends, it's peak dating season, so you know I mean business. Let's dish. D's dating dish. The Daily Mail asks, is love at first sight really a thing? This was inspired by a new study by Murdoch University in Australia. They worked with nearly 400 volunteers and asked them to rate the attractiveness of people of the opposite sex from a blurry image and then from a clear image. This is fascinating because what do you think happened? Do you think people assumed from the blurry image that people were more attractive or less attractive? Well, the answer to that depends on your gender, because on average, men overestimated women's attractiveness, whereas women underestimated men's attractiveness. I loved having this data because I see this in practice a lot. When people are swiping on dating apps, I 
Sorry, ladies. I'm just going to put you on blast for a second. All the time I hear from women like, oh, I didn't see any guys I found attractive on the app. And we just get in like that left swiping mode. And then we're just like, "Mm, not him, not him. No, none of them, none of them. And it's almost like we're reacting before we've even seen what's in front of us. But it's so funny to see how men kind of are the opposite. And the next phase of this this research, I'm sure, is looking into why that probably is. And I'm sure there's some sort of evolutionary reason behind it. But the article says the study proves the concept of first impression bias. That means that we're really driven by our first impressions. You know that you never get a second chance to make a first impression. It can be true, but it's interesting how the first impression can be different depending on the eyes that you are looking at the person through. So my advice for this is to just slow down, slow down how fast you may be swiping and go into the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth and God forbid also the sixth photo if that's also there. Um, looking at you, Hinge. And look at the context of the entire person before you just decide to swipe left because your first impression bias may actually be deceiving you and you may be bypassing matches that otherwise would be quite attractive if you met them in person. The Toronto Sun has a headline, The Joy of No Sex. Celibacy could be the latest dating trend. They looked at this study from the Kinsey Institute and the Love Honey app that focused on sex and relationships during and after the pandemic. And turns out Gen Z, which is the 18 to 24-year-old demo, are the least sexually active group of all of the groups that they studied, Gen X, Millennials, and Gen Z. I've been seeing this trend for a while as well. If you check out the hashtag celibacy on TikTok, you'll see that there are a lot of people sharing their experiences of abstinence in order to connect to themselves, find peace, discover self-love, improve their mental health. It's also been in celebrity news. Nick Cannon, he declared last fall that he was going to be celibate after actually one of my most retweeted and commented tweets was about like, how does Nick Cannon keep having kids? There's something that's not clicking for him in this whole like how babies are made thing that clearly my 11 year old understands, but uh, who is also celibate, of course, uh, but he doesn't understand yet. But he said he was going to be celibate from October 2021 until 2022. I guess it's 2022 now, so maybe that's over. But he had four kids in less than a year with three different women. And Keisha Cole, just on December 20th, the singer said she's tackling celibacy the entire next year, all of 2022. I think it's great to take stock of the direction of your life and look at the choices that you're making that may be sending you off the path that you want to be on. However, my friends, I am not a fan of extremes. So this comes sometimes in the form of dating hiatuses. I mean, if I had a dime for every time somebody was like, I'm on a dating hiatus, I'm not dating anyone for the next three months. Okay, so you're just going to have blinders on, you're going to wear a mask, and you're going to wear a blindfold and just not look at anyone and not talk at anyone. Or, you know, celibacy, as we've been talking about, crash diets. When you make a change that is so drastic, you're setting yourself up for failure. Human nature is that you're going to continue to live your life like you lived it before. And I find that incremental change in which you can make the shift over a period of time is usually more successful than just going cold turkey. Also, why are you putting so much 
emphasis on sex anyhow. Whether it's a positive or a negative influence, it's only one piece of the puzzle. So if you're going to try a year of celibacy, bless your heart, Keisha Cole, (laughs) really ask yourself if that is the solution to all of the problems that you have. Maybe it's not celibacy that you have. Maybe it's more self-study. Maybe it's more discipline in other areas of your life. You know, Nick Cannon's procreation problem could just be fixed by condoms or other forms of birth control. So I just want you to remember that you don't have to be celibate to change how you relate to potential partners. And similarly, you don't need to get physical before you're emotionally ready either. Well, if you feel adrift in the sea of dating and are considering a dating resolution here at the beginning of the year, I don't want you to fall into the same cycle you were in last year. And I don't want you to set unattainable goals that are going to make you feel unsuccessful. So whether you're coming back to dating after a breakup or you're disappointed with your dating app or you're just completely confused by the dating scene today and considering throwing in the towel on dating altogether please let me help you first. Enrollment is now open for my signature program, The Dating Accelerator. What you might not know is that there are five dating loops. These are the five simple steps that everyone goes through to meet their person. And there's a tendency to loop or repeat the same step that is blocking you from finding love. And once you identify that loop where you're stuck, then you know what the challenges that you have to overcome and you can develop a strategy to fix that loop. So let me give you an example. When we look at the second loop, that's sourcing, we talk about where you're finding dates. And let's be honest, with the current state of the world, dating apps are the primary source for meeting someone. It's not the only way, but it's still the fastest way to expand your dating pool. From my work in casting and television, I know how to choose pictures and how to tell a story, which made a really natural transition into being a dating profile writer because it gave me insight into what works and what doesn't to attract your desired person. Today, as you know, I consult with OkCupid as their official dating coach. In this role, I have access to all kinds of insider tips and tricks and tools to help you boost your profile in the algorithm. There are specific words that you can use, certain times of day when there's the most activity, techniques for different ways to search in order to get you in front of your ideal matches on a dating app. And I can teach you these secrets that you wouldn't otherwise know, and that can completely shift your online dating experience so that you can bring the right matches to you and you don't keep wasting your time chasing the wrong ones. I don't want you to go through another year of isolation. I don't want you to keep having to answer that question from your friends and parents, why are you still single? I don't want your perfect match to fall in love with somebody else when they're really looking for you. So if you don't wanna go through another year of isolation single, let me help you develop a dating plan that will work once and for all. The Dating Accelerator is only offered twice a year. So if you're waiting for your moment, this is it. (laughs) You want the sign? Here it is. It's your time. The program starts January 20th, and I promise it will not be the same without you. And my friends, it's only three payments of $367. So it's a lot less money than a matchmaker. And it will take you a lot less time to meet your perfect person than the way you've been doing it before. You can find out what's inside the program. You can hear testimonials from people who've done the program with me before, and you can see how your dating life will change if you go to 
dot com slash program. All the fun starts January 20th. Only 15 spots remain. So don't let somebody else steal your chance at turning your dating life around in 2022. Join me now at demonahoffman.com slash program. The link is in the show notes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. I am here with Dr. Christy Kadarian. She's a nationally renowned psychologist and licensed marriage and family therapist specializing in the psychology of relationships. She's a former eHarmony matchmaker turned dating coach and the host of the Lyrical Therapy Hour radio show. Her work has been featured by the LA Times, NBC News, Insider, The Wall Street Journal, Cosmopolitan, and more. And now for the first time on Dates and Mates, Please give big smooches to Dr. Christy Kadarian. Thanks so much for having me, Jamona. We are in the thick of peak dating season, girl. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. I know you're seeing it at uh, in your company, Therapy for Dating. And I am seeing that there's a lot of pressure that I think people carry <laughs> to, especially in this time in the lead up to Valentine's Day, New Year's resolutions. So let's like woosah, get everyone centered again with your philosophy for how people should approach this time of the year in dating. Definitely. So as you know, you probably know if you're single, you might feel like New Year's is the time to make the resolution. Let's get back and make this a goal for this year to at least put yourself out there again. So you're not alone. Data says that January 2nd is the highest um, or the Sunday after. So this year will be January 2nd, but the Sunday after New Year's Eve is the highest day that most people download or use a dating app. And so I think that a lot of people that might scare people off similar to the fitness analogy that, oh, I don't want to start a gym membership now that everyone's in the gym. But I do think that if you're single, this is a great time, especially if your number one complaint, which I hear pretty frequently is uh, there's not enough people. I'm not finding enough quality people online, or I keep seeing the same people on every app. This is a great time to be on a dating app or just being more out there because people are making that intention a priority at the beginning of the year. So yeah, so I think that really what you want to enter this season with is the intention that you're going to work on your side of the street when it comes to finding your person. So I always say there's things in your control and things out of your control. Out of your control is timing. You can't really uh, control when that person walks into your life and chemistry that, you know, you can't really force that. It either develops or it doesn't. You can definitely give it the time to develop or, or not. And then on your side is doing that inner work to make sure that you're ready for that relationship, the healthy relationship you want to create, as well as your own action and intention. So making sure that you're putting in the effort you need to so that when the other puzzle pieces come to finish your um, your puzzle on your side, then you're ready for it. Let's do some of that inner work today, shall we? 
Let's go. <laughs> I'm a big believer in that too. And I love that you said like, take care of your side of the street. I'm I'm always saying that. Like you can't control how someone else behaves, but you can own how you feel. But a lot of times I find that people come into this part of the year and they're feeling like the wave to get the gym membership or whatever it is, you know, that push at the beginning of the year, like, oh, I should be, I should be doing something. I should be online. And yet there's sometimes a lack of an understanding or awareness of what they're actually looking for. Like, how do we do that inner work and understand our personality type, understand our attachment style, understand from that deeper level, Dr. Christie, what are we, what do we need? Not what does society tell us we need? What does our mom tell us we need? Like, what do we really need in a relationship? How do we begin that journey? Yeah, I love that question. And usually when it comes to love and the reason that I kind of got into this work is so fascinating and a lot of it feels like a mystery. We see, you know, in the Hallmark movies you might have just binged or other, um, you know, rom-coms, it really focuses on this art, this like meet cute, something just happens. We don't really know why these two people are just really connected. And so we then begin to believe that it's just an art. But really what I say about finding love is an art and a science. So we actually have a lot of research that helps us to understand why and how two people stay together and, you know, make it in the long run. And so in my work, when I worked at eHarmony, it was really fascinating to learn a lot about this research around compatibility because we saw the science behind these couples that we think, quote unquote, just work, but actually there are a lot of pieces and components that their temperament matched, um, you know, their emotional maturity matched, a lot of similar values and beliefs. And that that's really why we see couples that make it and don't. So I would really recommend rather than focusing on, you know, the how we meet or like this cute story that we focus on the science part and really learning about ourselves. And that's really what I teach in my in my dating blueprint um, that I teach my clients. So many times people will say to me, oh, this isn't the story that I wanted to tell my kids. And, you know, I just think, none of that matters if you're in the right relationship. But there's something I want to pull apart in what you just said. You said you saw the science at eHarmony of why people match. And I see sometimes that people are looking for, they think when they hear match, that it's their carbon copy. They're looking to sort of date someone like them. And all the time I get questions on the show like, does like attract like or do opposites attract? I, I know you can't give us all of the eHarmony secret sauce, but can you just help us understand how to build that vision of the ideal match? Because I imagine what you're saying is when you say similar temperament, you're not meaning like introvert, introvert. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What do you mean? Right. <laughs> yeah, great question. So uh, something that the research that Dr. Neil Clark Warren did and really found is pretty opposite to that whole opposites attract um, thing that we hear pretty often. So what his research kind of found was that opposites might attract, but it's a similar um some similarities are really what create successful relationships. So in my opinion, in my work, what you want to look for are similarities around certain aspects. So your core values, 
use. And then you want to look around opposites or things that are complementary is what I like to call it, not opposites in other ways. So that example of introvert, extrovert, you know, there's no real science behind two people are not going to make it because of X, Y, Z. There's some couples, relationship experts and researchers like the Gottmans that actually do research on people that are together already and some of their behaviors that indicate whether they'll last or go the distance. But really, even if you come into a relationship and you have a lot of differences, if you do that work to uh, change the dynamic, learn about each other, understand each other, you can create a successful relationship. So something I always say is like soulmates aren't born, they're created. So we often think like, you know, who's my soulmate, but we really have to more understand that we're not going to know that um, looking forward. We only know who our, our soulmate in hindsight. So we can only say, oh, well, that was my person because I chose to be with them, do the work, grow together. Uh, and so I think the question we often ask, you know, oh, that opposites attract, sometimes it can come from that feeling that they have something that we long for. And it's, it feels like a shortcut to doing that work, our own work internally in that way. So with the women I work with, oftentimes they're looking for a man that's, you know, secure, financially successful or stable. And sometimes that's because we're also, or we ourselves a little bit it feeling insecure, feeling financially illiterate. And so we'd like someone who comes along and kind of can bring more of something that we feel like we lack rather than doing that work ourselves and then attracting someone similarly. So I always recommend noticing, okay, what's what opposite in that person can I also work on myself? You know, it's great if they bring that, but what can I do that individual work on so I don't feel like they, you know, complete me to quote the the famous Jerry Maguire movie. Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> you got me thinking like, my husband is just uh, like, one of the reasons I fell for him is that like, he's just smarter than me. Like, I'm just, I'm just gonna put it out there. Like, no, I'm not saying that. And like a self-deprecating way like he's just straight up smarter than me um but he's smart in a different way i'll say he's really good at retaining facts and let me just speak to all the folks listening you don't necessarily want to have the opposite in that like i've just i've just given up on retaining facts dr christie because i know like my daughter almost got me a shirt for chrismica that said i don't need google my husband knows everything yeah. <laughs> which is like scarily accurate but i almost feel like i have given up that part of my brain because he is so good in that way so let's not be lazy y'all you're not you're not shortcutting your knowledge base i have to want more for myself to be able to retain facts like you know what year was uh some random president elected <laughs> it's weird the stuff that he retains but um but that was something that i was very attracted to but i I had also gotten really clear before we met on what was important to me for the life that I was looking to build. And I love that you said soulmates are not born, they're created. I fully, fully believe that. I had no idea my husband was my soulmate or was the one. And I want to make sure that I'm framing this correctly for our audience because, you know, you have a program, Find the One. And I think there are many the ones, and sometimes this quest of looking for a soulmate, which 70% of people believe is something that exists, prevents us from growing into soulmate partnership. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. So my program's called Find the One. Um, really what you find during the program is that you understand about yourself and the type of life that you want to build ideally with someone and identifying someone you can see yourself growing with and building into that life. So I think the term soulmate really got hijacked from a lot of what we see and we use it often in, and I'll talk a little bit about attachment, which is a big cornerstone of my program, but sometimes we use it an avoidance of that deeper connection because we think, oh, okay, well, this person, my soulmate or that perfect quote unquote person for me would not do X, Y, Z. <laughs> and so rather than having that growth oriented mindset of, okay, this isn't maybe ideal or this isn't something that this is maybe something they need to work on. We just eliminate someone because we have so many options out there. We think we could just swipe through another hundred people and the grass is always greener. So sometimes that's an avoidance of wanting to do that hard work and be really vulnerable and see someone's imperfections and then see your imperfections and love each other and have this like journey together. So I think asking, is this person my soulmate is really the wrong question when you're dating. It's more, is this someone that has the qualities that I can see myself joining in a journey together? you know, for the long haul, ideally for most people. And really the one is just the one that you choose. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I say, you know, it's a Monday morning quarterback thing. You look back on your life and say, well, that was my person because, you know, I chose to do life with them. Oh, but it's so unfair when people look back at past relationships and they're like, oh, I must have missed the one. That person was the one. It's so easy to retroactively make that person the one in your mind. How do you help people sort through that? I'm sure you hear it too. Yeah, totally. So the first step in my program is really learning how to become single in your mind. Most of the time in all the singles I've worked with, there's some relationship, past relationship, or even an idea of a relationship never really formulated that's created some beliefs around what a relationship should be like or the type of chemistry they should feel. And they're still, there's technically single on paper. They're still operating like they're in that relationship. They're still believing that lie that their ex told them. They're still, you know, um, functioning in this kind of unrequited love. I'm not enough feeling that maybe someone who rejected them did. So first we have to really clear that. And the way that we do that, and I use the work of Kristen Neff um, in self-compassion is to really forgive yourself for the mistakes you think you made in your journey um, to finding love. Oftentimes we think, oh, I need to forgive an ex and then I'll move on, um, you know, for whatever they did to me. But really what you have to do is forgive yourself. Most of the time we hold some judgment or or some shame that we made some decision or we let someone do something to us. And that means we can't trust ourselves in choosing a good partner. So really, we have to reverse this script. And it starts with that self-compassion work. Mm, That is so deep. I love that you said that. And it also gives us ownership of our lives and the choices that we make from that point forward. And I know there's people that, you know, have they like went through the holidays listening to sad songs, being all in their feelings. But actually, you talk about how we can use music to process emotions. Talk to me about that. 
Yeah, so if you're a big female uh, vocalist fan, the this past season was quite a win because we had the Taylor Swift breakup album re-recorded, and then we had Adele's album, and both albums are obviously really sad breakup songs, really documenting the end of relationships. But research actually finds that listening to sad songs brings up positive emotions. So you might think, what, why? And it's really because oftentimes, obviously, we know that the fact that just the instrumental music can have on your emotions and be mood boosting when we listen to great melodies. But really, when someone puts words to your experience that maybe you couldn't identify, couldn't articulate, and you just feel like that song or experience gets you, and you also feel this connection to a universal emotion that you're not alone in what you're feeling, that can create a lot of positive emotions to help you move through the grieving process rather than trying to fight off feeling sad or any negative emotions that come up, especially during the holiday season, but just throughout after the end of a relationship. Yeah, we got to feel our feelings. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, I know, I know you, you have a background not only in matchmaking, but also in therapy. And I'm sure people, you see people kind of holding a lot of this in and especially I, I find that women, we carry a lot of this stuff with us. And society is always telling us whether it's okay, like what what you should say, what you shouldn't say, when you should reveal certain things. And I'm just all about like 2022, let's, let's freaking live. Let's live. Let's let our emotions be apparent. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so love it so much. You know, new year, new us. And I did a mini research project in my doctorate that took some research around what they call internalizations. So they found that women, especially their mid thirties to forties, internalize emotions. So meaning they think it's their fault. What <laughs> if something negative happens in a relationship? happens, we think it's us. And so in the research project I did, I found that women, especially on dating apps, uh, would internalize rejection or perceived rejection. So if they swiped right on a person and they didn't match with them, they would think, oh, it's me, like my picture, whatever I said, we never think, oh, well, maybe that guy, you know, deleted the app, isn't checking it, you know, doesn't know a good thing when he sees it. Men tend to externalize it more like, oh, she, you know, she's probably a fake pro file, whatever. They don't think it's their fault. Women internalize it. So we really have to practice being aware and having that knowledge of like, okay, I know my tendency is going to be like, what did I do here? What do I need to change? How do I need to be better? How am I not good enough or uh, not enough or too much? But really we have to practice a more healthy sense of like, I don't know why maybe that person didn't match with me, but I'm not going to make it about me or my worth. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you next to call back <laughs> <Exactly>. another <laughs> another song. Talk to me about the relationship blueprint. How do we do this this dating blueprint for long-term success? Yeah. So really my dating blueprint, um, and I teach all my clients in my program is a combination of understanding yourself. I use the Enneagram to help people kind of get some insight and awareness into who they are, their core fears, their core desires and motivations, as well as the attachment research. So once we know about ourselves, so that's intrapersonal work, then we can know how we connect and then use it, use that information in a way to create 
create a dating strategy that's really aligned with who you are. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We have to pause because you threw out the Enneagram, which I love. And actually, we really haven't talked about it on the show. So for those Enneagram noobs who don't know what you're talking about, can you just explain a little bit on that? Yeah. So the Enneagram, the origins of it are pretty debated, but it's basically a pretty old tool, tool has its roots in like spirituality. And it, it's basically a one through nine numbers that help to define your core fears, desires, motivations, um, and ways that you can become that healthy version of yourself. So the reason that I really like it, there's many personality tools out there, is it really is a hopeful tool in my opinion because um, any person can be a certain number. Um, let's say like you're a one, so you're a reformer, meaning you always see things and you'd like to improve them. You can tend to be a little bit perfectionistic and sometimes critical of yourself, but you're also really altruistic and you have a really strong sense of right and wrong. So when a one is acting in an emotionally healthy place, meaning they've done the work, they're great, they show up a certain way. But if they're really unhealthy, they show up in a really different way. So it kind of gives you that spectrum to be able to grow fully into who you are, whatever that number is. There's no good or bad numbers. There's no hope for you or there's no hope for compatibility if you're dating a person from a different number. It's more about both people becoming the healthiest version of themselves so that they can really embody and be and, you know, complete whatever purpose that they want to in, you know, in their lives too. I love that. So Enneagram plus attachment style. And that's a little bit more kind of deeper level work that you have to understand. Exactly. Yeah. Attachment really has its roots in early childhood. And then we see those same kind of patterns. If you're anxious or avoidant and we're securely attached, that also comes up in your adult attachment. So typically the type of attachment you felt towards your caregiver, sometimes those same roots and patterns you can see transferred into your relationship with your romantic partner. And so learning how to ideally become more securely attached, meaning there's that right balance between autonomy or independence in a relationship and connection is really what you're striving for in a relationship. You need both the connection and the independence to make it a healthy relationship. I'm so glad that you said that. I think it is that balance, right? That <laughs> you're not looking for someone to complete you. You're not looking for someone to be a carbon copy of you. <laughs> and you're not looking for someone to be with 100% of the time. I'm a firm believer in having autonomy and having your maintaining your individuality and yourself within the relationship. So I'm into it, Dr. Christie. Tell me about the Find the One program at therapyfordating.com. Of course, we'll put the link in the show notes and how people can get in the mix with getting on the road to finding their person with you. Yeah. So basically the Find the One program and my methodology has been developed through my years as a matchmaker and a therapist and dating coach. And it's basically designed as a two-part method. Uh, we go deeper into the soul work. So we do some of that work to help you really heal from past relationships, heal your mindset, learn your dating blueprint. So you go into the dating world aligned. And then the second and third portion is really around a matching strategy. So me and my team really help 
help you develop your customized dating strategy for online dating, meaning, you know, what dating apps are best for you based on what you're looking for, as well as your dating blueprint. So your Enneagram and attachment, and then a customized offline dating strategy. So things that you can do um, to integrate both offline dating and online dating. And then in the third portion, really help you do some somatic work with understanding the difference between like a gut feeling and your anxiety. Sometimes your relationship trauma can kind of keep you from a good relationship just because it's unfamiliar. So we help you kind of navigate that as well as walk you through our 10 dates to soulmate roadmap. So this roadmap is kind of the designs a way to date, kind of what types of dates to go on, what sorts of questions to ask people to really and pacing the dates correctly to kind of get you into that exclusive relationship within that amount of time. So you're not really wasting your time on someone who's not on the same page with you and not going to be a good long lasting partner. So that's kind of a brief summary, but you can definitely find more info on my website and on Instagram. Thank you. You're speaking my language and I appreciate all of the work that you've done and all the knowledge that you are passing on to all of the Dates and Mates listeners today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Jamona. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Dr. Christie. Make sure you check out her Find the One program at therapyfordating.com. In a moment, I'll be back to answer your listener questions, including did I hurt his ego by ending our situationship? And I'm dying to say I love you. Should I wait until he says it first? We'll be right back. Welcome back. Wow, the questions have been pouring in. I know I said it was peak dating season, but damn. No, I'm here to help you. And we have some juicy questions to kick off this segment. Dear Demona. Demona, help me. This question comes in from Z from IG. She says, hi, Demona. I'm a regular listener all the way from Asia. I'm a bit nervous as it's my first time sending a message to the radio or podcast. Don't worry, girl. I got you. She says, I met an American guy randomly on the street a year and a half ago. See, people still meet on the street. He used to say, you're so pretty or every guy will like you, implying I date a lot of guys, which is not true. I thought it was just a compliment. We spent time together now and then for over half a year, but it was very casual, not a proper date. He asked me to cook or watch a movie, but it never happened. Also, there was some miscommunication as English is not my mother language. About half a year ago, I told him I wanted to be friends as I don't like to randomly sleep with a guy in general. He looked like he was shocked and asked me if I meant purely friends, but he accepted. He really never asked me to meet again or come over to his place. Somehow, I still miss him and I cannot date any other guy. Once I talked to him for his birthday and he happily talked to me, but that's it. I have two questions before I move on. First one is, did I hurt his ego asking him to be friends as it's kind of rejecting him sexually? I think he has some feelings for me, but he doesn't talk to me anymore since he only likes me in a casual way. And second question is, does this casual situationship have any possibility of becoming more serious? I'm from a very conservative Asian country and he's American. It's not possible in my logic. Oh, Z, man, this is such a frustrating situation because it seems like there was a lot of misunderstanding and miscommunication. Honestly, I'm not even 100% sure what happened in this situationship. Like, you were just kind of hanging out, but you weren't sleeping together. And then 
it sounds like he wasn't really accelerating things as a boyfriend or even as a hookup. But then you took it all the way back to purely friends. And so I feel like maybe what was happening here, Z, is that he was trying to win you over and he was trying to take it slow and wait for the moment that he could kind of be in position to be your one and only, your man, and that you would feel comfortable having sex with him. And then when you said that you wanted to be friends, that it meant that all of that time that he had invested was basically a waste and it wasn't going to be going anywhere. So, I mean, I don't want to discourage you by saying you hurt his ego, but of course you hurt his ego. I think anyone that you say you just want to be friends with, there's a little bit of a bruise of like, oh, well, why why couldn't I be more? But he slow played this one. He slow played it and didn't really state his business. Also, like he's the one who came to your country dating. So he needs to understand what the dating culture is like there. If we were able to go back in time, Z, what I might say is to spell it out for him a little bit more. Say, I'm getting mixed signals. Here, what I would expect if you were interested in dating is this. Is that where we are right now? It, it is a little bit probably more forward than you might be used to in your dating culture, but we are all operating here and in America, in your country, all across the world. So many times we operate just based on assumptions. And that seems like that was happening on both sides right here. I can see why you're still attached to him and still thinking about him because this happens a lot. I'm sure a lot of other listeners can relate. When things don't play out the way we visualized, then we start to replay it. And I'm sure a lot of my other listeners can relate to this. This is why I have my clients visualize the mate that they want to bring into their life, because our, our brains cannot distinguish between what's happening in the present and what is happening in an imagined future our brain will actually start to believe that is something that is happening. And that's part of the process of manifestation. It's like really retraining your brain. It's also the same for thoughts of the past. Continuing to replay and replay and carve those neural pathways again that are making you feel bonded to this person from your past, even though it's not happening presently. So I prefer to visualize the future you want to have than to continue to ruminate and replay past experiences. Of course, if you really, really want to just be bold and play it out, Z, you can go back to him and say, things didn't end the way I expected. I've been thinking about you a lot and I'd like to give it another try. But the best predictor of how things will happen in the future is how things did happen in the past with him. So you have to consider how he made you feel before in reality, not in your imagined replaying of the past, and ask yourself if that's how you really want to feel in the relationship or if maybe that energy is better spent focusing on finding somebody else. Second question comes to me in an email from a listener we'll call I. She says, I've been dating a thoughtful, kind man for seven and a half months, and despite feeling incredibly close and intimate, he is not ready to say I love you. I feel it's 
bursting out of me. And despite trying to lead with compassion and understanding, I'm starting to feel resentful of his inability to say it. He has had a traumatic divorce and has two children, and I want to respect his needs and pace, but I'm really struggling because verbal expression is very important to me. I've talked about it with him, and it's clear he cares for me deeply, but is not ready to say it. I know you've been in a similar situation regarding waiting for an I love you, so I'm one, I was wondering if you could share any insights. I'm not sure if I can continue in this limbo, but I feel like it could be worth it in the long run. Okay, what I is referring to is I was interviewed in the New York Times like a year or two ago where I talked about my I love you story and how I had to basically trick my husband into saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I put it in writing. By the way, it was 10 months at that point. So I put it in writing. I put it in a letter and gave it to him. I hid it under his plate at a romantic dinner we were having. And then he opened it up and said, I love you too. So ha, I got him. But <laughs> honestly, honestly, now more than 15 years past that point, I realized that I was putting way more emphasis on hearing those words instead of the emphasis on how he treated me, which he was already treating me the way that I wanted to be treated. He was already treating me like he loved me. And I hung an undue amount of emphasis and importance on him needing to say those words, me needing to hear those words, and me needing to express those words. It was almost this just kind of, uns it was it was very different from your situation because it was like this unsaid feeling between us that it was like, who's going to do it first? So you've already had the conversation with him and you've told him, it sounds like your love language is is words of affirmation or one of your primary love languages. So you really need to hear it from him to know that you're in it. But I would just ask you to step back from that for a second. And by the way, even if that is your primary love language, you usually will have a secondary and a tertiary love language as well. So think about some of the other love languages that you have. Quality time, acts of service, physical touch, and ask how he's showing up on that level. Because there may be programming beneath all of this that he is still processing through his traumatic divorce. Maybe it's from his family of origin. Maybe it's from the divorce that he had. Maybe it's just something that he wants to hold back until he really is in a place where he knows that you are going to be his person for life. Maybe it means something different to him. And if you really feel like you have an incredibly close and intimate relationship after seven and a half months, I would see if you could set the resentment aside for a bit, replace it with the gratitude of all those things that you are receiving from him. We all have our different timelines. We all have our different programming. And I would just hate to see you throw away something great because he's struggling to find the words to express what is already happening between the two of you right now. If you are struggling with dating right now, do not do it the same way that you did it last year. Let me help you develop a dating plan that will finally get you unstuck in love. You can find out about the Dating Accelerator program, which again, will not be offered again until the fall. You can find out about the program at demonahoffman.com slash program, or click the link in the show notes to learn more. Until next week, I wish you a happy peak dating season, and as always, 
Happy dating.